Hello, hello. This is once again another special Bussing Balls pod blast. Uh, they are John and Chris. I am Jeffrey, and you can still hit us up on Twitter for the me- for the meantime at uh, Bussing Balls Pod or email us bussingballspod at gmail.com. And you're listening through it to this on SoundCloud or Spotify, one of the one of the two. Uh, we're taking some time today because we did have a, a, a major event happen earlier this morning, and that was Celtic will not be domestic treble holders this season <laughs> because they went out 1-0 in the in the Via Play Cup to Kilmarnock. Uh, John, I got to say, Kilmarnock, um, impressing so far. They have... In three games so far since the season started, including two League One Cup, they have scalped both Celtic and Rangers and held hearts to a nil-nil draw at Tynecastle. I was going to say, there, there have not been many sides who've pulled that kind of thing off since Rangers bought all the money into, back into Scottish football back, you know, whatever it was, 30 years ago and started not paying their taxes. Right. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, for, for all it's you know, the boys getting beaten here, I do love to see some variety in Scotland. So hopefully someone knocks out Rangers next round as well so we can all have a bit of fun. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I'm I, okay with, I mean, you know, Brennan Rogers out, of course. But, you know. <laughs> but no, I mean, no, Rugby Park definitely seems like it's going to be a rough place to play this season. And, yeah. uh, you know, their, their performance at Tynecastle um, shows that they got something going on too. Uh, John, you wanted to mention something too real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say the uh, the most expensive footballer in English history is, is his... not number one, not Declan Rice anymore. Not Declan <laughs> Rice, not Enzo Fernandez. No, Moses Casido came on with about twenty five minutes to go and proceeded to have an absolute Jonathan Woodgate of a debut here. <laughs> oh my! God. I, I believe his second touch was a, an attempted volley that went somewhere. I, th- I think it's somewhere around Mars by now. Um, then, <laughs> with with, the, with Chelsea two one up and with a man advantage, he gave away a penalty in the last minute with an appallingly badly timed tackle. You could see the guy had had no preseason, did not, but it was not to get speed with whatever Pochettino was trying. It was just funny as hell. Uh, you, you, <laughs> you hate to see it. I, I'm <laughs> sure Chris, the the big fan of Todd Bowley on on this show, is just you could see, I could see him weeping from here. Uh, it's a situation in which just it's kind of proof that okay, maybe Pochettino did get fired from PSG for a reason. If this is what if this is what Chelsea fans have to expect for the rest of the season, I think. The rest of those who root in this league, as well as neutrals, are going to just have a fun time laughing at Chelsea for another year straight. Uh, but then again, don't worry. That's just, uh, it's another, nothing another billion can fix or something in the January transfer window. Yeah, I, I uh, am going to point out that Man United had a similar start to last season. And, um, well, they ended up in third <laughs> when it was all said yeah. and done. So. Um, yeah, but we can also, yeah, we can all laugh at United again, can't we? Oh, we can today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Congratulations to Ange Postecoglou and only Ange Postecoglou for that Spurs <laughs> win. But anyway, that's not- I have something. 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah, we're here for some of these quick things. I did want to point out one kind of incredible stat as a whole regarding Big Ange, which, you know, props to him as a whole. He has been unbeaten in his past 49 home league games as a manager across spells with Yokohama F. Marinos, Celtic, and Tottenham Hotspur. His last home defeat, November 2020, when Marinos lost to Kashima Antlers at home. Yeah. So this guy knows home form. So yeah. it, it, wow. it works that's out. good for Spurs fans. <laughs> eh, I guess. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, again, the season is young, and United um, did not look good yesterday at all. They uh, didn't look good on Monday either. So the first time I've had a look at them. You well, know, they had, uh, yeah, well, I mean, the well, they, they, they had some help Monday. Yeah. <laughs> they they the, had the, some help Monday. That the refs have apologized for, which, you know, well, is wrong. Right, yeah. Do, do, are Wolves going to get their point? Just no. like Arsenal didn't get our three points that we deserve? Yeah, I didn't think so. Anyway, um, you know what? That That's going to be a main topic coming up. But that's not what we're here for uh, today. We are really here. Let, let's get to the main event of, of this pod blast. Uh, the Women's World Cup final took place this morning. My time. Well, probably your time too, John. Uh, 11 a.m. our time. Yeah, so that would be, yeah, that was, it was five in the morning here. So four in the morning for Chris. So either way, for all of us, it was this morning. Yeah, it was. <laughs> either way. Uh, <laughs> we, we have a brand new world champion of international women's football. Uh, Chris, take it away. Yeah, Spain managed to get it done. A very cagey game for the most part there. A lot of uh, injury time on the second half in particular there, kind of infamous for that front. But uh, Olga Carmona uh, comes through with a goal in the 29th minute. Uh, fantastic shot to beat the keeper uh, as a whole and Spain ends up winning the Women's World Cup. England, the cup is not coming home, even though this may have been the year in which we would have hoped it would, given that Jorge Vilda is not a good manager. That is a guy who has failed upwards and probably has damned that whole system for the next generation. With uh, There was a really good story on it that came out a couple of months back in a good well, Twitter look, thread know, that I, kind of followed all that. I, I well, feel like but. we should discuss that. And I think we yeah. did. Uh, John, I seem to recall we, we actually did, did discuss we, that. We mentioned it on the on the weekend, yeah. Uh, on a regular show, there was like, the, the Spain players were striking, I believe. I believe there are still some that boycott that team. And man, that boycott really means something now because you miss out on your country's points out. And you watch those players who didn't do the boycott, throwing him up in the air at the end, that is just sickening given the stories out there. Yeah, let, let, yeah, Chris, uh, you're the one flying the flag of of this one. What? So, give us some of the the uh, the nitty gritty. Just, it's one of those things in which, again, the Spanish program as a whole, throughout their history, like the U19 Euros and whatnot, U17 teams, for the most part, they've been, you know, fairly successful in their first part. But the first team, in and of itself. A lot of people were questioning the decision-making to appoint him as head coach in 2015, kind of questioning his decision-making, like uh, he was relatively unproven at the time, while the team was, you know, because of their success in the youth levels, were kind of gearing up for their own uh, golden generation. 
in a sense there as a whole. But then just, this is a guy that shook up the system in not the best way by any stretch. Uh, just lackluster in taxes and coaching style, and then just a lot of his decisions and behavior kind of being very dominant, you know, like a lack of privacy, a lack of nutritionists, lack of medical assistance for players getting injured and stuff. Just somebody who ran the ship like a tyrant to the point in which 15 players decided to boycott the team as a whole. So to see him kind of fail these women and fail upwards at this point as he basically got carried to a World Cup by his roster rather than it being anything that he himself did. It's just, it's disappointing. It shows that for the amount of work that the in progress that the women's game has done over the last couple of years, and there's been tremendous progress, there's still such, such a long way to go in so many ways, shapes, and forms, you know, from uh, obviously, you know, the public perception of it still needs a lot of work, especially with, you know, a lot of people who like to puff their chests online, but you would never catch them saying that shit to somebody's face kind of thing. Uh, for starters, that's an obvious one. But then there's just other phases of the game. Like we need to, I think as a whole, we just need to keep pushing for really equality on all levels, if not upping the levels as a whole. It's just... Well, I, I, it's I, just I, I think that there's so much that there be it take more than a pod blast to describe. Well, it's, yeah, um, uh, yeah, of course, and obviously we're not going to be the ones to uh, to to do that. Although I I do take credit, I do take some small amount of credit for why the uh, U.S. women finally got their payday because we were beating that drum for ever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, actually, what you describe it also seems to be a lot of the story of women's football, especially on the international level all over the world. I mean, the, you, you had the Jamaica coach basically putting everybody on notice saying, yeah, world, get your shit together as far as the women's game goes. You know? totally. And I think part of, the, part of the thing we've seen here is not how good the Spanish FA is with the development program. It's how good the clubs have been coming through. It's, and particularly, you, you see the top players that it's talking about. And they're, you know, they're playing for Arsenal. They're playing for Barcelona. It's that Barcelona side that's a backbone here that has really developed it. You know, they've become that preeminent club side lately. Oh yeah, like I mean, yeah, I mean, some of the, some of the permanent women's clubs, as you said, Arsenal, uh, Chelsea, on the back of Sam Kerr, who Absolutely. unfortunately was not here for most of this cup, but she did yeah. score. Same as uh, same as Patelas for Spain here, and um, you know, yeah. There were players missing for England, obviously. Frank Kirby, Leah Williamson, um, Beth, Beth Mead. Mead. Oh, yeah, so, Beth Mead. I yeah, think that part of caught up with them in that last game, but yeah. Right, but I mean, like, the, the yeah, you, you see the clubs that some of the, the, the you know, the, the, the top players play for are the Arsenals, the Chelsea's, the the uh, Wolfsburg, the Lyon. You know, yeah. Lyon is seen as the gold standard for women's club football. Right now, oh, they have Barcelona just come along, isn't I think, oh, yeah, Barcelona has, has has certainly come up too. So, you know, it's you know, you 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 take a look at that, but then you know, look at some of the other nations that made it here this time. You know, like Vietnam and Morocco, uh, Jamaica made it to the knockouts. Yeah, you know, South yep. Africa made also made it to the knockouts. But totally. yeah, it's just yeah. We, we, in that sort of a toxic environment, Spain somehow still made it through. 
and, and, and went to, you know, and took it all the way. On the other hand, you know, when we're talking about uh, the England side and there was no reason not to see them as a favorite, you know, no, as, as a favorite, you know, they, given they are the reigning European champions and they made yeah. it to the final. The, the injuries were why I was kind of dubious on them making it. But to be fair, they did not ever complain about it. Didn't moan, didn't do anything. And they still got it. And they got there. I don't think they ever played a, a hugely great game throughout the tournament, but they all, they this time they had a backbone to them. You know, they gritted out a couple of games, you know, particularly the quarterfinals, that nil nil, right. where they pretty much outplayed and were, were, you know, they were played down for what was it, 50 minutes or so at the end, something plus that. They were, yeah, they, they have a lot to be proud of there. And, and I think Serena Eggman, she got her tactics right most of it, but today I was a little dubious on them. They, you know, they were resorting to the long ball to, a little too often for me, and the Spanish defense were dealing with that quite comfortably. Apart from, I think there was an early moment they hit the bar. They didn't really create a great deal. They did, you know, how, how much did the keeper? They make the keeper work. You know, Mary Epps was far the busier of the keepers, right. and she had a great, possibly the best player on the pitch. Right, but I mean, let, let's talk about. I mean, there there is some talk. There there has been a lot of talk this week of uh, Serena Vigman, who let let's you know, in addition to making it to the the you know the final of the woman the World Cup and you know getting a runners up medal for it, also coached England to their women's you know to the women's Euros last year, uh, previ previously runner-up in the last World Cup when she was the coach for the Netherlands, as well as winning Euro 2017 for the women, for the, the Netherlands. You so, know what? She's a great coach. I know, put this, you know, we, we did not spiel about pound for pound the U.S. women's team being the best side on the planet, right? Yeah, you remember well, that? but I mean, that, that could be changing pound because pound. that could pound be for pound. Okay. Yeah, she's the best coach England have ever had because no one has reached two finals with England before. Ever. Right. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. There is there was talk this week about her succeeding Gareth Southgate. I, w I wouldn't go quite and the internet went yeah. well, yeah. They I did mean, what they Yeah, it, it's the internet, of course. So. Um is there a good argument for it? Um yeah. Practically she's good. Um does she know players? It it's a case of I, th I think we're going to have to go a little further before we get a major appointment. You know, the gro growth tends to be come, come from up below. So we'll see you know, lower league sides who are, you know, gradually maybe appointing a few female managers or non-binary, you know, and, and whichever gender we're talking here. But I don't see it happening just yet. I, it'd be a really interesting experiment because she is as sharp a coach as there is generally out there. Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, she she is a winner. I mean, there's no way around that. And I mean, taking England to the final of the World Cup is nothing to sneer at either. Absolutely. And and the thing she's got, which is really good, is mm -hmm. the decision she's make. It's always very clear. There's no drama, nothing personal. It's just what do we do to win a game? And I think regardless of the attitudes in the game, it would be really interesting because that is a perfect attitude for coaching. Because if she will surround herself with people who know what they're doing, who can, you know, who can say, you're not going to make a team, who will win games. 
I I would say if a if, if a you know a men's football team pointer, they'd be getting a fantastic coach, and I think they'd be winning in very short order. No, I agree because I mean one thing about football is that the rules are the same. <laughs> it's just, it's yes, the same I mean it's perfect. It's coaching here. It, it's not like chess where apparently women have some extra bone in their hand, which makes them inferior in moving pieces around the board. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh God. It's like, yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Of that. Well, yeah, no. No, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, we, we, we all know the story. We all know the story of how women's football particularly got shit on, you know, by, oh, the, by the association worldwide. Yeah. yeah. It was illegal mm. in 50 odd years. So, you know, um, which is incredibly fucked as it is. Like, if you want to like hinder progress right there, like these bands pretty much did that to the point in which we're playing catch up. I did wanted to add one quick minor note to give credit to Quinn Letizia of Spain because she's done more to uh, give commiserations to England second place than the president of the English Football Association, which happens to be one Prince William of Wales. I fucking mm. get. <laughs> Don't bring Wales into this. He's, he's English. <laughs> yeah. So are you. <laughs> right. So, anyone know any hitmen in the Chicago area? <laughs> hey, uh, wow. Talk, talk about stereotypes. <laughs> talk about stereotypes. You started it, my man. You started it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, let's get back. But yeah, I mean, obviously, Spain should be the story here, and it is. And you know, and for, forget their 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 a hole coach. <laughs> just just absolutely forget them. Nobody had Spain winning this. Ab absolutely, nobody had Spain winning this. It was it was the USA. It was England. It was Sweden. It was right at the knockout stage, and, and you know, they lose Putella before the tournament. And you know, it was great to see her come on in the last five minutes, or you know, of, of regulation there. Yeah, that was a beautiful thing, a, and a classy move for you know a coach who's an absolute arsehole. Spain were absolutely great, but you know, they hadn't won a single knockout game at a World Cup before today. I don't think they even won one at the Euros either. Um, you know, they got washed four 0 by Japan in that you know, in the group stages. No one saw it coming before that. No. But, Which, again, you know, great story. That shows that you absolutely do not know what's going to happen in this sport until, you know, you know, the old saying, football's played on grass, not paper. Totally. And, you know, I think, with, you know, it, it reminds me of the kind of the 2008 Euros win of Spain with, you know, where that Barcelona side started coming through. And the Spanish side are immediately better, and you've suddenly got a great the nucleus of a great side there, and that's what they look to have now. Because uh, yeah, you know, it was funny because I wanted to bring that up because there was that period where Spain were suddenly, you know, they won the Euro and then they they won the World Cup, but then they fell off a cliff. Well, they won the Euros after that as well. Uh, was it? Oh, okay, yeah. then maybe I got that. They beat Italy in the final on that one, and then wait, I wait, think. Wait. Wait, hold on, wait. Now I got that wrong. Hang on. And then, yeah. and then tw 2014, when they got washed by the Dutch 5-1 in that early game, um, Robin Van Persie scored an absolute blinding diving header in that game. Yeah. Hang on, I'm, I'm looking at this right now. Of course, I could look yeah. up Google, and it goes to the women's team immediately, and then it's... Uh... Right, right, two. Yeah, it's a, it, well, I'm getting, I'm getting like... Uh, no, I'm getting like a Google, like a... A celebration, you know, like a you know fireworks. Oh. Yeah, 
As um, it should be. Uh, bah, bah, bah. All right. Where, where's our honors here, for crying out loud? Here we go. Well, 2012 here. Euros. Okay. Uh, oh, you're right. Okay, yeah, they did win two, those two uh, Euros. Okay. All right. Yeah, you're right. So, twenty, yeah, 2008, 2012 Euros, and also the World Cup. Okay. So, they're many, but since then, they've fallen off a cliff, basically. <laughs> they, they played the same. Although, I'm sorry. They won the Nations League. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Every no one remembers the Nations League today, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so I mean, does this provide a template for what possibly the Spanish women's team could do? And also, well, that, what that does this do going thing. forward for the striking players and yeah. their beef with the coach? Well, it kind of yeah. Well, again, the Spanish forms it reminded me of the best that Spanish side. You know, they're not necessarily spectacular to watch. But they they hog the ball, they they can quite happily absorb, you know, any sort of whichever attacks apart. They don't concede many clear cut chances. They are just a very good football side, and they, the new side can be there. Why not for the next three tournaments? So they can, yeah. There there is no reason they cannot win the, those next few tournaments. Them versus England at the next Euros. If it comes back, is going to be an absolutely brilliant game to watch. I, I will be booking my seat on the Saturday for that. Yeah, I mean that it's it's going to be fire. So I mean, when will the next women's Euros be? Are they going to do it in twenty twenty five, or are they going to wait till twenty twenty six? It's twenty twenty five. I will double check that. I mean, we we all know about COVID and delay. You know, COVID delaying things across the board. Twenty twenty five. Okay, it, it will be. 2025. It's uh, being hosted in Switzerland from. Yes. Okay. I mean that that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I think we're we're finally getting things back on on some sort of schedule. And that's no, it. No, same no, region. With the, the men's team won their first year it was in as well. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, it, yeah, but how long, how many centuries ago was that? Fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> you remember Jeff when we both didn't have gray hair? <laughs> uh, no, I I don't at this point. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> me neither. Yeah, I, I don't remember that. Chris, uh, Chris, Chris is uh, still in the in his thirties and childless. So you I'll know. get there soon enough. <laughs> Come soon enough. Give, me, give me another five years. I'll get to that point. Um, so what? Let, let's wrap this up. What can we say about this World Cup overall? And do we see par any sort of paradigms shifting here? in the women's game, especially with, you know, the, the, the alleged fall of the, the U S women's team. Yeah. The U S women's team wasn't, you know, it's, it's penalties. Maybe they're not as far ahead of the game. If they take this as kind of a warning shot to see where, see how everyone else is catching up with them or maybe overtaking them. It doesn't have to be, but you know, it looks to me very much like we have a shift to the bigger European nations Finally, catching up and getting where they were. You know, I don't think you're going to see a Norway win the World Cup again, you know, like they did, where it was 20, 30 years ago. Um, so, you know, it was it was good to see. I think the last four, none of them had reached the even reached the final before, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think Sweden had made us the semis before, and that was as far as any of those sides had gone. So, yeah, I I, I think we're going to see. 
gonna, I think we're going to see it become a lot more Euro dominated unless the US and Brazil possibly get their game going here. Well, to, and to to bring us up to speed on the on the Brazil team, let's go to Chris Damasceno. Oh my God! Um, I doubt it. The CBF feed uh, is lethargical in every aspect of the international game, and has been for the last couple of years. Uh, on the men's side, it looks like it might. Maybe get better if Ancelotti is coming through as it's stated in for the 2024 cycle of the spectrum. But I don't expect them to do anything about the women's game because, well, they had arguably the greatest women's player of all time playing for their national team for five World Cups. And they did jack shit with her. So I have zero expectations of those assholes. Right. I'd say... What? How about the Japan's women's team? Because they looked pretty good for a lot of this tournament. Yeah, they did, and I mean, they're they've always been a fair. I mean, let's we forget they were the they beat the USA in 2011. Yeah, uh, for that title. So, you know, I I just think that um, I mean, it, it could be a paradigm shift. I think we're going to see how the nations like the USA and Japan and Sweden respond. To what's happened, but I mean, when we when we had a knockout phase, that also had again Jamaica and South Africa. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it shows that you know, yeah, things definitely changed. Um, I do wonder if the location of this affected that too, much like you know how the World Cup in Japan, Korea in two thousand two, how we had like some quote unquote wacky results. Yeah, you know that happens there, but. I mean, it, it, but, it's going to be an interesting time to watch the, the women's international game going forward. Because, uh, you know, yeah, because it's not all about the USA now. No, no, but not about the USA and not about Germany either. Let's let's forget they have some real existential questions going on about their women's well, team. Well, you know what? The, <laughs> let me tell you about the German men's team right now, too, John. So, <laughs> I see, Leave quite, that for another time. We're, we're not... <laughs> The men can go fuck themselves for this week's episode, you know. <laughs> well, I get it, but I mean, I'm just saying that that's German football. It's international yeah. German football right now has a yeah, real absolutely. crisis. Yeah. So, and, I mean, it, and it makes sense. I mean, you know, as one goes, so goes the other. I mean, the USA men's team has an existential crisis going on right now too. And it can, yeah, they always have an existential crisis going on because they're shit. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. They're mediocre, certainly. I don't know about shit, but they're mediocre. I'm, I'm seeing it from a European perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but John, you, you you very pointedly left Europe, so I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> not by my choice, my man. Not by my. <laughs> Look, I, I just love giving these little jibes to. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. but, uh, this is every time. Let's face it. Wait, what was that, Chris? I'm just saying, no, it's like every time it's typical of you. <laughs> but I yeah, mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, let's I'm face it. I mean, much longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we could put the, the U.S. men's existential crisis down to two words, Greg Berhalter. But, you know, what what is that going to mean going forward for the USA women and 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 the choices that were made there? Um, I, I think as Chris referenced it's going to be they're going to need to put money into the game, and that's where the test is going to be. 
Yeah, well, especially in a in a in a time when other countries are putting money into the game too. Yeah. Not, I, I uh, not all of them, of course, because we know about Jamaica and their GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Can I uh, make mm-hmm. a suggestion that we kick Alexi last the street and put his salary towards a women's team? Well, unfortunately, he did, he's not actually employed mm-hmm. by U.S. Soccer. And he won so. No, who cares? Just take his salary and give it straight to them. I think the other biggest thing for me personally is that not only do you need to obviously invest the money into the game, that's one thing. Paying your players is the other big thing, obviously, comes with the territory. But the third thing, and that's the most important part on the youth side of the spectrum, is that it's accessibility. Because within the United States, it's been a play to, pay-to-play model since like the inception of the sport over here when it comes to soccer. And just you are you are losing out on a huge talent pool as a whole on that on both the men's and women's sides of the spectrum there as a whole. Like again, with the US, the early investments in the women's game made a difference, but now with a new generation and with more parity coming across you've got to find ways of if you want to still be the best in the world like you've been for all these years you've got to stay ahead of the curve and this pay-to-play model is not staying ahead of the curve you're just kind of uh chopping yourselves right at the the kneecaps in the process because if you look at those youth teams for the u.s right now they're not they're not ready i don't think they can handle the load and that could result into some less than stellar results for the USA moving forward. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think that the, the pay-to-play model is, is is not good. It's not good for the development of the sport at all. And I know that, I mean, here here's John, the European, just, you know, the, the, the ostensible European just shaking his head. Um, it, it, it's very America, you know. Late capitalism, etc. I think, as we've covered here many, many a time. Well, it, that, right, but I mean, let's face it: in, in America, things are different because here, you know, the beer swilling masses watch a variant of rugby, which in Europe is considered the upper class sport, whereas you know, football is, you know, you know, soccer here is something not that, the, the, that the rich. Sport, my man, it's not. It's a working class sport here. It's it's. Totally That's what I'm saying. Yeah, here yeah. it's like yeah. you know the the the, the rich. You know, England is the upper class. Yeah, because right. only it's because yeah, here's considered the fancy white kids' rich sport rather yeah. than being a sport of the people. American football, ironically enough, is more of a working men's sport. Well, here that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's, it's a itself. it's a flip flop. So, you know, yeah. here mm-hmm. the the beer swilling masses watch the NFL, whereas you know you know in in Europe, you know in in, in well Western Europe, let's just say, you know it, you yeah. know it's the sport of gentlemen. You know. You know, rugby yeah, is football, football is the mass participation sport. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. There's definitely a very flip flop class distinction as far as the sports uh, here in this country. Yeah. So, and I dare say that you know maybe it, you know it, it basketball it overtook you know where soccer would be worldwide in that respect mm-hmm. it, because for it's, because for one thing for one thing. You can practice both soccer and basketball by yourself. <laughs> yes, you can, you can have solo fun. Yeah, so there, there there's that. But yeah, no, Chris is right on that point. But um, 
yeah, I, I think that's something that needs to be looked at. Uh, real quick, 15 seconds, each of you wrap this up because uh, Zoom's about to kick us out. So, <laughs> Yep. Um, again, good to I don't think there are any particularly – they made one or two really good games, one or two really good goals. Um, but overall, a fun tournament, lots of emerging people. Emerging is possibly a great Spain side, England doing well. So, yeah, fun tournament. Bring on the Euros. Great tournament. Congrats to Spain as a whole for winning it. Uh, it's probably the best women's tournament altogether. Australia should be really proud of themselves with how they did on this one as well, too. And uh, let's just hopefully invest more in the game in and of itself. Uh, totally agree with all those points. Uh, congratulations to to La Fiora Roja for, uh, for their win. Uh, hope they get their crap together and kick that coach out because he seems like a real prick. And uh, that's where we're at. So uh, we should be back in a week or so uh, with a proper episode. And uh, until then, on behalf of uh, myself, uh, John and Chris, uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.